that came up today. Oh, thank you. Uh, I had a topic that came up today, which is an interesting one, which is um, uh, basically, uh, Jennifer, I think you're in, on the, Gary, where are you based? I'm in, uh, I'm in the Denver area. Um, okay. I'm not a club owner, but uh, uh, been around tennis a long time, and we we are members at the Ranch Country Club, uh, and it's gone through a lot of changes in the last three years. So, right, and and this is kind of where my question for the day is is where Jennifer is on the west coast of Florida, and I know Sean, we tick, we picked, we 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 touched on this last week. Glad to see you back, Sean. Um, but if you think about it, gated communities like gates, right? And so I'm at one that's a smaller community, maybe 300 doors. And they are sometimes pressed because they are supporting not just the tennis, but they're supporting a golf course and they're supporting a beach club and there's only 300 doors. Whereas on both sides of us, where I work in the, in the winter, where I help out in the winter, we have two much bigger communities, one of like 500 doors and then one of like 1300 doors in Johns Island, which is a famous gated community in Vero Beach. So, you know, these smaller communities have uh, to carry more, you know, that each each household has to carry more. Now, here's here's the interesting thing. You ready for this? If a gated community such as the one where I am, I won't say where it is right now, but say they do this, say they say, OK, you, when you buy a house, you have to join the club. And there used to be several levels of membership. There used to be a social membership, which would include golf. It would include golf. It included tennis, the beach club and food. Then you'd have a golf membership, equity golf. And that used to be say $85,000. And the social membership was 40. Now what they're doing, a lot of these gated communities as AKA clubs, gated clubs, are saying, no, we're going to go flat fee, $150,000, $100,000, and you get everything. Well, guess what? A tennis-only player is not going to go spend $100,000 or even $80,000 just to play tennis. And so we're kind of, you know, golf and tennis are fighting a little bit like that because these gated communities, Jen, I know you you have a ton of them on the West Coast over there in Tampa, Naples, Bonita, yeah. Bonita Springs, all that. Um they're they're going to this one one membership fits all and i think it's hurting tennis might be helping pickleball because you'll be you hate to hear that jen but because a lot of golfers play pickleball so anybody else see that sean i know you're with the hoas jen what are you seeing over there on the west coast oh that's not really something i'm too familiar with because i'm at a club um mm -hmm. but there are a lot of gated communities here and yeah i wouldn't be surprised i why do you think that it would hurt tennis because no one's going to spend that amount of money. You know, they're not going to go spend like they're not going to go spend with a golf. If you're a tennis only player, if you're a tennis only person, you're not yeah. going to spend the amount of money equivalent to a golf membership to live in a gated community and not play golf. So no matter what, everyone is that's applying or buying property in, in, in the gated communities where this is happening appears to be a golfer. That's not a problem. I, I'm happy golf is is top of their list. But I do think tennis and maybe pickleball and, and maybe some of the other, maybe, you know, I don't know whether sports there are, croquet or, you know, whatever they might be out there is probably suffering a little bit because 
it's it's that high end. The golf is the high is the high cost, and I yeah. see it at clubs, the country clubs too. You know where you are. Um, you know, I can, I can run with this. Yeah, go ahead, go, Sean, run with it. The difference between my experience at a country club and then also in in the local areas here in the Atlanta area, the the local neighborhoods, tennis is free. To play tennis, it's free. Now, almost nowhere is golf free, and often it's really expensive. But if you say, all right, we got tennis, golf, we got all these really cool things, and I'm just the tennis player, you want 150 grand, it is never going to happen. Exactly. I'm not not paying for everything else. Never going to happen. I'm going to play in my own neighborhood, and I'm going to play at my friend's place. Like $150,000 buys a lot of other things, buy a lot of tennis rackets for my (laughs) tennis that I'm going to play across the street for free. Now, golfers are going to pay that. They have to. They want to be part of that elite club to play that course. That course might be worth it. That club, the social side, that might be worth it. But tennis courts are shaped the same. Gary, what's what's the story on Colorado? I know you've got gated communities out there. Denver, Aspen, Vail, all out there has gated. What, what's going on out there? There's, I'm not aware of that many gated communities in Denver, uh, but there's, there's country clubs. Uh, at, at the club that I belong to, it was a member-owned club, and uh, they, they've struggled as a member-owned club. And then uh, just about the time the pandemic hit, they were purchased by Concert Golf, which, uh, which is they have uh, eight or ten properties around the country. I think they've got something down in Atlanta. And one of the things they're pushing for is to reduce the number of reduce the types of memberships. Uh, They had tennis memberships, junior tennis memberships, social memberships, and they're going the direction that you're saying. Uh, At at the moment, uh, it works out pretty well for, the tennis is doing very well. Uh, That's good. In part because we uh, we're the only indoor facilities on the north side of uh, Denver. All the, all the indoor facilities are in the middle part of the town and, and the southern part of the town. So tennis is, tennis is doing well and the, the cost of uh, some of the clubs are, is not as great as it is. So there's, there's a club like Cherry Hills, <clears throat> which is in the middle of Denver. It's, uh, um, it's very, it, it, it's the old golf course. They've had several national tournaments there. And um, uh, tennis, they've got wonderful tennis facilities, but tennis is, uh, that's what the wives of the owners do. That's the, that's the, uh, that, uh, the and I think they, well, they, they may have changed this, but it used to be only men could have memberships. So when I said owners, that's, that's, that's what I meant. But it's... Uh, so Gary, you you own a club, right? Isn't that right? No, you own, no, no, no. We're just. I've been involved in the USPTA in Denver for many years. I don't own a club, but we play. Uh, our family plays at the ranch. We started at the ranch about six years ago, so we would have an end a place for our kids to play tennis during the winter. Right. Jen, yeah, my former club here in Tampa. They. You know, it's not an HOA, but my former club in Tampa, they used to have separate memberships too, like one for tennis, one for fitness, 
Uh, and then they changed to, you know, one membership for all that covers everything, you know. And I think that actually, I think people were pretty happy with that. They're actually a company that um, is based out of Denver. It's called Wellbridge. Um, and they have a club there in Tampa. They own your club, Jen? They own my former club. Former club. Yeah. It's a corporate club. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think obviously I've written about this on the, on the blog and on the website, but Sean brings up a good point is that corporate owned clubs and member owned clubs have different profit motives. Right. And so an HOA, like I think Sean, you've got a bunch of those HOAs down there. They are not really looking at profits, but they're looking at property prices. So they want to make sure they're, they're offering, right. They want their offerings to be, uh, and, and that, again, here, here you go, gated clubs, like the ones I work at, gated clubs, the ones I work at, they, uh, you know, I was talking to a committee member today and they're like, well, Ed, you know, I said, hey, you want to get the best directors at golf, the best directors that you can, the most, the, the best program you can offer because it's only going to bring in your property prices up, right? It, I mean, a gated community club is like a gated HOA in a way. It's, it's all about property prices as well as being a club. Very you have to have a you have to have a budget for programming. So yeah. HO, HOAs in our world, there's there's no programming budget. The question is, do we allow outside coaches to come in or do we not? Now, if you don't, you're never going to have any tennis. Right. But it isn't it isn't as though they're going to hire a coach to come work here. Now, in Florida, you have a lot more of that. The neighborhoods, in my experience. They're more off. They're going to have clay courts more often. They're going to require kind of full-time maintenance. They're going to need a full-time staff, even in some of the neighborhoods that aren't necessarily clubs, so to speak. Right. Like a small club in a local neighborhood. Am I, am I remembering my Florida market well there? You're right. The gated communities here, if they're not a club inside and hi, Seattle, I'm Gracie on Instagram there. Welcome to the conversation. You can always uh, text us if you have questions. Um, but, you know, if you if you uh, look at the gay communities in Florida, you see um, much more in terms of, I guess, facilities, right, than you do in, in Denver or, or even Atlanta, probably, where it's just a couple courts or, you know, maybe there's a pool. Right, Sean? Yeah, because that's that's all we are. There's, there's no budget. The goal, the goal of the HOA is to build its reserves and save as much money as possible. And the members have to beg and beg and beg and try to get things working. I was just recently appointed the tennis committee chair of my HOA. Our neighborhood's less than two years old. It's all brand new homes. We just moved in this past May. Mm -hmm. And my wife isn't excited about it. She doesn't like getting involved with things like that because it's drama. <laughs> and, but I've been there, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the right guy for the tennis job here in my personal neighborhood. Whether I run a business here or not, I should advise on tennis questions. The um, politics of HOAs. They're in, I, I mean, I live in an HOA, right? Yeah, and and just, it's a unique thing. Um, it was the biggest, it was the biggest uh, politics to uh, try to get three courts. You know, should we, the three courts have gone to pot uh, with clay here. Yeah. And, and obviously there was a big argument about making one a pickleball court. And I was like, guys, we have tons of space for pickleball. Leave the tennis courts and just move pickleball over to the side. We've got, we have a croquet lawn that no one uses. You know? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Our last, at our last place, they turned the putting green that nobody ever, it's a cool little idea. Yeah. But it's, it looks beautiful, right? But no one ever uses it. Yeah, the builder puts it in and says, hey, this will bring in new people. Well, when the people don't want it, you turn it into something else. Right. 
Right. Uh, but, it, but it's a different, it's a different mm-hmm. feeling. We have to do the same thing um, here, what we're trying to figure out. And I had some questions about kind of the New England market where you were previously, but it sounds like you're back comfortable in Florida. I go, well, Jen and I are one of these migratory bird types. Uh, Jen goes up to Martha's Vineyard and I go and wave at her across Buzzards Bay and I'm in Marion on the mainland. So we go back and forth. I I head up May 5th, May 1st, and Jen goes up. Lucky her, she has a much shorter season. She goes like, when are you going up this year, Jen? Uh, Probably around Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Oh, that's earlier than normal. Good. I'm glad you're going up earlier. You're going to make some money. Last year I went on Memorial Day. I was Memorial Day through Labor day basically labor day yeah uh yeah so hey kristen sanders we see you there on uh on instagram nice thanks for being here um yeah so the the summer up there those are different sean those and and gary i'm sure you know that and 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 i'm sure they're in denver too but the clubs up there are really seasonal um you know even getting into new york state but in new england i mean like martha's vineyard i was on martha's vineyard uh for, for five six years here, I'm wearing the old shirt from Egertown Yacht Club. And uh, my first year, I was able to go there June 11th. I mean, the season doesn't really kick off until June 23rd when the kids got out of school. Everyone comes out of Boston and New York. And then literally the season is eight weeks. And August 15th, it starts to peter down again. And by Labor Day, after Labor Day, it's it, it, the vineyard is empty. You can get into every restaurant. For my club on the mainland, I, it's a different demographic slightly. We had, we're, it's changing towards the vineyard, but we're like 60, 40 Probably 60% of our members live year round in Marion, Mass, right on the water there. And then 40% are destination people who come in from Boston and New York and Chicago for the summer uh, to be in the New England summer. It's kind of like my daughter. Um, so those clubs are changing too. There, there's a demographic change there up and down the East Coast. A lot of them are uh, becoming more destination rather than year round. Um, and then again, you could argue that some are becoming more year round. I think mine, mine might be. It depends because people want to get out of the cities from from COVID. So uh, we'll see what happens over the next two to three years. Um, if COVID hadn't happened, my mind would have gone 50-50, right? Year-round uh, destination members. Now, because of COVID, maybe mine's gone up 65-35 where it would have gone the other way. So, you know, more people staying out of the city. How, how, Sean, are you in the are you in the suburbs and are you seeing people moving out of Atlanta to the suburbs like they are in New York? Is that happening? It was a fascinating house search. My wife and I were looking, we needed a tennis court. Of course I'm a tennis guy. So finding a neighborhood with tennis courts narrowed it down. But what we were finding is we had a lot of people coming in from up North and a lot of people buying five bedroom homes with small square footages. And that's just a, just a, it's not as common of a thing the, the we're building physically different homes here because people are working from home more. The mm-hmm. kids are, stay, the kids are staying home from a school point of view once or twice a month, they have just stay home and work from home days. So right. everybody, everybody needs their own space. And my wife and I were looking for, we were looking for openness. We're looking for, we don't need that many bedrooms. It's just us right now. Um, Cause the kids are off doing their own thing, but we didn't need the, the, the five separate bedrooms. It's, it's really a unique thing that we see people coming, moving south into the suburbs with homes with lots of bedrooms, but not that, not that same open square footage. So everybody can kind of close their door and do their own, do their own work. Right. I and, the tennis, and the tennis courts are, 
it's it's a it's an interesting thing. It's kind of high, medium, and low from a financial standpoint. Uh, you move into a gated, a nice gated community. There, you could still have the typical HOA like we do. We're ungated, mm-hmm. typical suburban neighborhood with two tennis courts. So you drive by, you could come right in and use our courts if you really want to. Gated communities is kind of a step up, but you can still run it the same way. Then you have the country club neighborhoods where there's a there's a club and a tennis pro who's hired to work there, and then they right. can hire their own staff. Um, right. He, it's like our our HOA is going to obviously whitelist me because um, I'm going to I'm going to help them set everything up, and I would be the go to coach here. But this neighborhood would never have a coach that runs programming. Okay. Gary, what do you see out there in terms of the clubs? Like, are people moving out of Denver? I mean, Denver, I, you know, I don't know what the COVID politics is out there at all. Well, the, COVID, the politics is no different any, anywhere else. The, I, I think the, the most in migration is into the mountain areas. Um, people are just getting, getting out of the mountain, getting out of, wherever, either Denver or <clears throat> or Texas or other states, and they're moving into to the mountain areas and places like Steamboat and Aspen and Vail are seeing an influx of, of, of people. Uh, I will say that Denver, uh, the, city, the county of Denver uh, is one of the last to recover in terms of uh, employment. So what this says is people are working from home, and I think that could really benefit uh, local clubs. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, we live about uh, 20 minutes north of Denver, and if people are going to stay home, it could benefit uh, tennis at our local at our local club and at the the local summer club um, on the other side of town. So I think I think it it. Uh, I think the remote working could benefit tennis because uh, the suburbs are closer to where the country clubs are or the tennis facilities are. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting for us. Uh, I We were approached beyond the baselines was approached by a, 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 an HOA in Vail and uh, they are, uh, they are with a current management firm and they wanted to look at other management firms to manage their, I think they have seven courts, seven tennis, maybe six pickle. And um, the housing is tough, hey, you know, out there in the mountains, like to find housing in the summer. But what the committee chair was saying to us is similar to what you were saying, is that a lot of these people, this is a very high-end uh, HOA in, in Vail, and um, a lot of the people are from California, and they're going out now, if they don't have kids, they're going out like in, even during ski season until April and staying right through to September, like staying out there and, you know, it goes from ski right into early spring tennis, right through the summer. Whereas it used to be much like Sean, we were just talking about in new England where it was like June 25th to August 15th. That's not so much. Now people from California are just going out to Colorado, Arizona, I think, and, and spending three to six months out there. And, 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 and maybe, you know, I know what's happening in Florida. A lot of people are trying to stay here 181 days so they get the Florida no income state tax um, and become Florida residents. So there's a lot of movements and change with with COVID right now. A lot. Yeah, there's there's a lot. It's uh, 
we have uh, a lot of summer summer clubs. The one thing that Denver has is we have uh, weather. It didn't snow in Denver until uh, late December. So right. it's, it's possible that you can play outdoor tennis uh, in, in October, November, and December. Uh, and uh, the high school tennis season usually starts at the end of February. So it's possible to play outdoor tennis uh, nine or 10 months a year in Denver. And it may not be that way in, in other places. Um, now, now, it's not always as enjoyable as playing at an indoor club, but it's, uh, it, it can be doable. Well, what do you think, Jen? What's your next question? I, I want to, you had like so many questions you wanted to say. <laughs> I don't have any. No, no. Um, no, I was just thinking about what you guys are. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about what you guys are talking about. It gets me thinking about like these new tennis centers that are being built, like, uh, like USC national and like the, like the Rome tennis center, um, that are so big. And it, I always think how, how do they keep these courts busy? Like there's no way that, that they're always busy, you know, uh, just because things are changing and people, you know, are leaving the cities and doing different things. And tennis is, I think, more and more accessible, you know, with HOAs, obviously not for every community, but I don't know. It just got me thinking about that for some reason. Like, it's so crazy yeah. for me to think about 100 tennis courts. Like, how do you keep 100 tennis courts busy? Well, <laughs> in the South, in our area, you mentioned Rome. It just got me thinking. In our area, basically, you run – one major junior tournament a month and you're paying for that facility because you've also got probably taxpayer dollars that built it. So you're not paying a mortgage. So you end up with a giant facility that you can do whatever you want with. You run one major junior tournament a month. You bring in one ITF a year and you've, you've paid your, you paid your bills. Your coaches are there. You, you hire your, your pro. They hire eight or 10 people to start feeding balls you take 5% of everything that they do and you can, you can kind of pay your bills in a system like that, unless you get USPTA to come in and take it over. Yeah. Or, or Amy Pazahanek for the Gape. She's taking over everything in DeKalb. Yeah. But, and she's, she's doing well at that one location. She's got an interesting scenario because she stretches herself too thin, in my opinion, um, kind of trying to do too much. Mm -hmm. um, but she's, she's done well here. DeKalb runs well. She's got, a good response from the city of Atlanta. So there are no complaints there. That's good. So she was on my podcast. I will, I will I say that. this. Yeah. She was, she was excellent on the podcast and uh, she just added another town out in California. I think I saw on her Instagram, but Simon Gale, who's also on my podcast, who's the, you know, the head pro or director of tennis at the USDA national tennis center. He, he, now talk about demographic changes because of COVID now they, whatever, they have 140 courts, I, you know, it's insane amount of courts out there. And as Jen says, how do you fill those? And when they built that, he kind of intimated or implied that they were expecting people to fly in from around the country and, and use it. And now what it's become, because of COVID, not as many people coming to uh, Florida as a destination for a week or two, it's, it's a lot of regulars who are locals. And it's become like a local club until you know we get all back to normal and there's more travel um, although it says that we're always going to have masks on planes now. So who knows? Um, I'm not looking forward to my next plane trip. 
but yeah, those those de- demographics are changing, and um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Gary, any burning questions on your end? I think I think uh, you mentioned the demographics. I think one thing to keep in mind is that the old the uh, young the oldest millennial is now forty, and the youngest boomer is uh, fifty six. And that's a big change over the last 10 years. And that, that's gonna affect tennis. Uh, there's also the um, declining fertility rate, which means there are fewer young kids today than there were 10 years ago. This is gonna affect our schools, it's gonna affect tennis, it's gonna affect, way, uh, it's gonna affect housing, it's gonna affect social security. Uh, and how that's paid. There's a lot of impacts. Uh, I, I don't know how tennis is going to react to that. That's a great point. You know, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about the 16 years between the millennials and the last baby boomer and the dropping off of the fertility rate, which is probably that group, isn't it? It's that group. It's it's the 30, 30s to 44s. 28 to 33 somewhere in there and i hadn't thought of it that way that's that's interesting demographic change is going to affect sports and housing and hoas and country clubs interesting point gary really good point it's going to be well and not only is that happening but the the fertility rate is declining across uh, the different races and ethnicity and ethnic groups so it's not just whites. It's uh, I think if you looked at the U.S. population, the U.S. white population was less in 2020 than it was in 2010. Uh, just, a, just a smidgen. So the, 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 the growth that occurred was in um, different races and eth- ethnic groups. So it's, it's, it's changing in, in a lot of different ways. Yes, yes, it is. Um, there's Jennifer, the Venezuelan here in America. Uh, (laughs) Just throw that in there. Right. Um, But yeah, we have a lot of different, um, different demographic changes among ethnicities. And I'm going to throw one question out because I do have to leave five minutes early today because I'm driving down um, South Florida to play a tennis tournament, but um, wanted to throw this out there. And I love the the play on words, the the Novak's Djokovic. I was going to say, are we going to address the elephant in the room? Are we not going to talk about it? (laughs) But what uh, what a story this morning. The immigration minister for Australia has rescinded his visa. And as I read it, I've read I read The Guardian down there in Australia and I've read CNN. And sounds like if you get deported, you can't go back for three years. Kind of like our rules here in America. What does everyone think? Sean, take the take the mic. What do you think about the Novax Djokovic? Oh, I'm conspiracy minded to begin. I think it's all planned so that you so the Australian Open can share that they treat everybody equally. I think everybody was on board with that whole story. Okay, Mr. Conspiracy Theorist. Exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm not all I'm rarely right about it, but it's just so much more fun to think of it that way for me. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, Gary? Uh, that I, I yes, yesterday I was in in uh, Castle Rock, which is in South Denver. No masks are required there. 
I live in Broomfield, which is North Denver. Mask are required. It's, 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 I, I, I have friends who have died from COVID. I understand, I understand that there's, there's a lot of political games being played associated with COVID. I, it, it will be glad, it will be great when the election's over because if, if the medical part of it's over, then I think, I think. We'll have a free, free election. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll see the uh, a different, I think it'll be handled differently. Jen, the elephant in the room is yours. Oh my gosh. It's been such a roller coaster, right? At first they said he, he's not going to be allowed to play. And I was like, okay, well, that's fair because that's Australian law. You know, they, they have to, go, that's what they have to go by the Australian open. And then it seemed kind of like they were making their own rules they let him in, then it's a yes, then it's a no. It's just like, to me, it's just crazy. Like, they just need to leave it to their government, figure it out. I think it's been interesting, the response also from the French Open, because they're they, at, at the beginning, they were like, well, we let it, we'll let Novak play. And to me, it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm a science person, I, I, I'm all about getting vaccinated and all that. But to me, it's like, I feel like the Grand Slams in that sense should get together and be like, you know, we are going to require vaccination from our athletes to play. But that's just my stance. You know, I think I think it should be a requirement for the tournament um, that the players are vaccinated. I mean, how is that not a thing? Hey, you know, there was the article in the Guardian said, how do you get to Australia to play? Get vaccinated and do your paperwork correctly. I mean, you know, that's kind of obvious. Um, it's not, not I still difficult. think he'll play. I don't think that he's going to get deported. I, I, oh, I think he's, that's. He's history. He's going to get deported. But no I'll be honest. Yes, way. He hurt himself because he said he tested positive. Then there's pictures of him on Instagram and, oh, that's out, okay. and then he partying with kids and. You know, they're going to use him as an example. It, it has nothing to do with, uh, and, and what I do think they're a little worried about is his reception and protection at the Open if he were to play. But Exactly. But I was like, I if he plays, he's going to get booed so hard, first of all, if he does get to play. But then at the same time, sometimes that kind of drives him. Uh, so maybe he would do better. <laughs> so, well, and, and let's bring this back. To, let's bring this back to tennis. Uh they're all at 20, the big three, right? And this, I think, and Sean and, and Gary and Jen, please, and whoever's on Instagram, write to me and let me know. But I think this is his best chance right here. I, you know, he's not as good on clay. Um, you know, I, I think this is it. This, if he's going to get to 21, this is probably the best chance he has. And, um, you know, by, by the U.S. Open, he's another eight months older. And, uh We'll see what happens, but I, 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 my bet is that he's deported, and the issue with deportation is the the uh, reciprocals or the uh, repercussions. Because if you're deported, you normally can't go back three years. So we'll see what happens. Um, that would be crazy. His, his lawyers will work on that, I'm sure. Oh. Uh, but guys, I've got to go today. I'm sorry, I'm going to wrap it up a little early, but I'm so glad you guys were here today. Well, and get the popcorn. <laughs> 
Get the popcorn. Yeah. Get the popcorn out. We'll see what happens with Novak. <laughs> we'll be the Novaks. We'll be here next week, next Friday, 1230 Eastern Standard Time. Gary, please come back. Sean, great to see you two weeks in a row. Thank you. All you guys on Instagram, thank you, too, for watching. And uh, Ed Shan, if you're signing off from Beyond the Baselines, have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.